Thanks for tuning in to the Living Against the Grain podcast. My name is Dan. I'm the lead minister at Church in the City. I'm joined with my co-host, Levi, who is also a master student and my right hand at Church in the City. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Thank God. Nothing, nothing to complain about as usual and all's well. We're feeling a little bit encouraged right now because last episode we talked about uh, the spitter, the guy who was walking by the church windows for days and days and days and every time would spit on the church windows. And after giving him some groceries and, and, and praying for him, he's slowly changed his heart and his, his kindness towards church in the city has completely changed. He actually just came in right before we started recording. He was sharing a little bit about his life and he ended the conversation by saying, I want to pray for you guys. And, and he was just very encouraging to us. So I thought that was really cool. No, absolutely. It just so happened that we were, you know, shedding some light and sharing some, some stories about, you know, how we have a lot of things going on here, how God's working in this community. And it just so happens that when we decide to record the next video, the same person that we're sharing, you know, how God's been good to so many people ends up showing up for, you know, in person this time, right before we're about to start filming. I think, you know, I, you know, glory to God for that. And so encouraging. Yeah, so, it's, 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 so good. So good. So, Levi, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Living Against the Grain podcast is about? Yeah. So to sort of build off of what I might have said before, but to also kind of explain some new things to anyone that might not have heard i would say it's a podcast where we would really like to open the doors for you know moral discourse any kind of discourse on on all subjects right so that we're able to share similar opinions share differing opinions just be able to you know kind of go back and forth have a little bit of a of a little sparring match or whatever you want to call it in regards to you know all subjects yeah. Excellent. And and today we're going to be looking at objective truth versus moral relativism. And this is actually the foundation of all of our conversations going forward because if we can't come to the conclusion that there is an objective truth, that there is a right and a wrong, then basically I don't think we should even be doing this podcast. I don't think we should even be having these conversations. Um so Levi, why don't you walk us through a, what moral relativism is, and there's some common misconceptions and myths about moral relativism. Yeah, so I think the best way to kind of put things simply would be that there is no universal standard of moral truth, right? I'll kind of get into a, the specifics of that a little bit later, but to sort of give a bit of history on moral relativism itself. It kind of falls under the umbrella of a broader term called postmodernism. It was pushed most heavily during the late 20th century by thinkers, uh, thinkers like Michael Foucault, if I pronounce his last name correctly. And what was his name? F-O-U-C-A-L-T. Okay, okay. We'll see if YouTube has to bleep that out for us or not. But uh, yeah, continue. Okay. Um... And I would say kind of a bit of what we're going to be talking about if I was, you know, to kind of give a book recommendation to my book readers out there, it would be Greg Kuki, K-O-U-K-I. Again, I'm struggling <laughs> pronouncing last names here. Sometimes I'm, common I'm sense with, is what it takes because common sense is not that common anymore. <laughs> okay, with pronunciation of last names, I'm not too sure about that. But, yeah, that's you true. know, um, 
and it's I think it's called relativism feet firmly planted in or something like that it's some it's something along those lines I would say and a lot of kind of what I'll be saying and what we'll be discussing and sharing will be based off off of that book that I've that I've read right you can message our social medias if you want to know the name of those books and we'll, we'll send you those names yeah or we could probably put it in the description or something like Perfect, that right yeah. I think I think that's possible as well so right building off of sort of the history right I would say we can kind of get into the misconceptions and um, common thoughts that might you know come across somebody's mind even the relativist's mind in regards to moral relativism itself right and it there are two I would say it's that one moral relativism itself is a moral point of view even though it says that no one is correct you know there are there is no standard or anything like that what we're saying is no there really is a is a standard you're 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 giving me a standard by by believing in moral relativism in itself yeah that's one and two is that there is no such thing as morally neutral ground right so the way i'll attack this is kind of in reverse order of the way that i listed it um you have an illustration of of morally neutral ground an illustration of morally neutral ground yes yes i do so there was an article that was released by faye waddleton the former director of planned parenthood and it kind of gets into um, her and many other um, possible moral relativists idea of what morally neutral ground is right so as you can probably guess if you have familiarity with planned parenthood the topic is about abortion and it's the idea that allowing abortions is a morally neutral position but that isn't true there isn't only two positions in in having an abortion in the legal sense right it's not just you don't have one and like you don't it's not just i disagree and i agree right the position that is being pushed here by faye waddleton is that you should have the choice right that if you don't want to that's fine and if you do want to that's fine at the end of the day that's still a moral choice right. it's just a loose moral choice that's the only difference it's not a neutral position it's a loose position right so this misconception or this idea that there's morally neutral ground uh, that's incorrect secondly um, the idea that moral relativism is a point of view in itself right right now um, unfortunately a lot of what's been going on hopefully this doesn't you know turn into an increase in um, what actually is is gonna happen in the future but there are teachers that are now deciding not to teach students right or wrong right so you can't say that oh yes so what's going on is moral situations are being presented to these students and these students individually decide what they believe is for themselves the correct position to hold right right but the other individual that may have another position doesn't have the obligation to follow their position they each are correct in their own sphere right now that sounds all accommodating and you know it just sounds so compassionate that that you can tell every single person in the room 
you're right. Mm-hmm. And it's just all sunshine. What is it? Sunshine and roses? Sunshines and rainbows. Sunshines and sunshines. Sunshine. All sunshine. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so there's an issue here that we're kind of going to tackle, right? About having everyone differ in their in their moral positions, right? Now, before I get to that, going back to the idea that there's no morally neutral ground, a lot of that is based off of this idea that um, you can't legislate morality, right? Because this is in regards to abortion, right? As as we know, you know, abortion is 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 part of legislation. It's part of what we pass into law, whether you're able to, whether you're not able to, right? And the common term is you can't legislate morality, but in the words that I agree with, um, Aristotle has said that the foundation, right, of legislation is morality, mm. right? Um, it's, it is what it is, you know, and I, I believe that to be the case, right? Because I'll sort of get into it later, right? But law is going to be placed after morality there needs to be a perception of what is right or wrong that needs to be enforced right whatever you enforce whatever law is being enforced is what is believed to be right or wrong right there is no just law that's put out there where you're being directed into a certain point that isn't labeled correct you know when we say before you get in, before you start driving you have to put your seatbelt on there's a reason for that you know it's because it's the right thing to do it's for your health it's mm-hmm. for your safety yeah there is there is a morality behind that right and it's that we value human lives right in in order in order to protect so all of these laws go back to some sort of morality even even justice in of itself right justice is a moral position i'm going to get into that later right and it's that we should all be afforded due process we should all be treated with respect Mm -hmm. and equally these are moral positions right and law and justice right these these foundational principles are founded on morality right so sorry for getting a bit a bit sidetracked there um but this idea that law and morality don't go together it's 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 absurd um that kind of leads me into the the topic of moral relativism in of itself and even other positions as well right i think not even just looking at the characteristics of what it is that we believe in, I think results as well are important, right? Results are a form of producing answers. And what I mean by results is what type of person arises from this moral position, right? Right. Now, as an example, right, for us as Christians, uh, an exemplar of... I know this one. Okay, go ahead, go one. ahead, go ahead. I think it's Jesus. Yes, that is true. So, 
for our beliefs, who we look to as the best example of what we believe in is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, for moral relativism, if we're to break down the best exemplar of a moral relativist, it's not even close. No. It's in fact, it's it's a bit of a shocker to those that that might that might be listening or those that might even believe in it in of itself. Now, that would be an individual who doesn't care about what another might believe is right or wrong because there's no obligation there is no standard that all people need to abide by and share and two is that this person marches to the beat of their own drum so to speak you know in in illustrative terms now if we're to say the type of person that experiences these characteristics or these symptoms it's a sociopath these are sociopathic tendencies right right and as grave as that sounds the proof is in the pudding right? yeah but well, why don't you give a example of how we can be or someone who can be susceptible to sociopathic tendencies yeah so i think with a lot of what we have going on with these um, gender-affirming surgeries, these transitional surgeries, um, it's kind of creeping in deliberately. It's kind of creeping into the minors, the minors that uh, might have questions about, you know, who they are, their sexuality and all of this stuff. Uh, it's a very vulnerable sector, Yeah. right? Because there are a lot of questions going on in, in the individual's mind. I can be anyone who I want to be. Yeah, a lot of a lot of these questions arise, right? And if you're feeding, if you're feeding people that are unsure of so many different things, if you tell them whatever you believe in is right, and nobody can tell you what's right or wrong, what's right is whatever you believe is right, then that is very dangerous and it's very harmful. It is very harmful and it can lead to life-altering decisions such as these gender-affirming transitional surgeries. Oh, yeah. Right? And what's going on now is they're even defying their, their parents, what their mothers and fathers, the ones who love them, care for them the most. They're even denying what they say because what does moral relativism say? It doesn't matter if they're your mother or your father. It doesn't matter because... What they say, there is no common good that you agree on. Yeah. There is, there's no, there's nothing that requires you to listen to them. There's, there's no reason. So you just march to the beat of your own drum, uh, so to speak, right? And it's unfortunate that, you know, this moral position is able to, to brainwash this vulnerable group of people. And and this is. A very real life scenario that's happening in our schools and our elementary schools today. That's um, exactly what you're saying. Is is kids are are making these major life decisions without any moral guidance, and because the 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 moral relativism is really taken over already in our society. Yeah, yeah. So. It's even. It's even being taken over in our schools. Yeah. I didn't give an example of how it's in our schools, did I? 
about teachers or anything like that. Did I say anything about that? Because something just popped into yeah, my sure. head. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. So speaking of school systems, what's going on now is teachers are kind of decided to shy away from uh, their positions, kind of going back to the morally neutral ground I was talking about. A lot of teachers want to place themselves in a, in a position of neutrality, right? Where they posit moral situations upon the classroom and they say, okay, class, you can um, all come up with what you believe is right and what you believe would be wrong in this instance for yourselves. Right. And um, you, can, you can kind of develop that into, into a system of belief for yourself. Now, that just sounds so compassionate, right? But it is, again, it is extremely dangerous. I can even shoot it back to the teacher. What if the class, right, as individuals, but it just so happens coincidentally, it's really not coincidentally when you think about it in the example I'm about to give, they decide it's okay to cheat on tests. Teacher's going to get real upset. The teacher's going to get upset, yeah. right? And what is the teacher going to do? The teacher's going to put their foot down. Yeah. He or she's going to put their foot down and say, no. Well, they're going on, they're going about the situation the way you taught them. Exactly. You know, you need to be logically consistent, right? It's a logical fallacy if all of a sudden you decide to enforce what you think is right now, right? Yeah. Argumentum ad baculum, in, so to speak. Again, going back to this idea of pronunciation, I apologize if I mispronounce that. I, I, I do. Um, but It sounded right to me. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. You would know. <laughs> I think what's next, you know, having given the background, having given the misconceptions, having given, you know, an assessment on moral relativism, just breaking down the kinds, right? And this would be three, three different categories. And it would be society doing relativism, there being different um, cultural differences, right? One culture believes one thing, the other culture believes another thing. Um, zooming in on one culture and seeing how that plays out and then zooming in further on the individual and how that plays out as well. Yeah, so let's dig into it. Let's uh, walk us through what that means. What does society does relativism um look like and and maybe there's even an example there you can share yeah so what i would say about society doing relativism is that there's this premise that okay maybe there was once an objective truth but once we examine the world and how there are different cultures and how these cultures differ morally there is no objective truth right premise a premise b conclusion right now there is a problem with this right it's this is logically inconsistent right it's it's a non sequitur the premises and the conclusion that follows are not connected whatsoever how is it that just because two people disagree on something nobody is right like i i don't understand that for example even on this on this example right there's moral relativism which we disagree with and objective truth with moral relativists disagree with okay so we both differ on the subject does that mean we're both wrong based off of the logic of society does relativism based off of those premises we're both wrong yeah right now even if 
that is the case, right? That both cultures are wrong. That doesn't mean there still isn't an objective truth, right? For example, if we have a joint account, a joint bank account, let's say, and we balance the checkbook, if we come up to two different amounts, does that mean that, you know, there is no objective truth on what the <laughs> correct balance is? No. no, we're just both wrong. Yeah. If you say 4,000, I say 5,000. The truth could be 4.5 thousand. Yeah. You know what I mean? All that matters is we just disagree, but there still is a correct answer. Yeah. Right? And that's the first, that's the first. This is even if I believe, this is even if I believe that both cultures are wrong. Right. Right? The second, the second thing is even if we're to say, even if, you know, we see kind of differences, that doesn't mean we don't believe in the same thing. We could just differ about the facts, right? Yeah. We can believe the same thing, but differ about the facts. You know, there, there are plenty of examples that we can give um, about that, about differing about the facts, you know, what we, our opinions are, but still believing in the same thing, you know? Um, would you say, you want me to give you an example or do you think you have an example? Uh, up to you, honestly. So I, I guess differing about the facts is we can look at it from even different religions. Okay. Right? Let's look at uh, Christians and, and Hindus, right? Okay. Um, Christians, we are okay with eating beef, mm -hmm. right? Hindus, they aren't okay with eating beef. Right. Um, I guess with that example, um, Hindus also have a long, a part of their religious beliefs is, you know, they have recreation as part of their belief. So maybe, mm -hmm. maybe the cow is their grandma. Right. Yeah. Okay? Reincarnation. Reincarnation. All of maybe the cow is their yeah. grandma. Um, Christians also believe in not eating their grandma. Right. Yeah. And so that there's a connection there that, yeah, it's both wrong to eat their grandma. Yeah. But yet yeah. there's two different ways, ways of, of going at about it. Yeah. Exactly. So with those two with those two positions in mind that still doesn't prove that there's no objective truth you know what i mean yeah so okay society society does relativism all right what's next what's next is okay so then, then there's society says relativism okay so here's the thing with society society says relativism right this is based off of the idea that societies uh, or a society has a culture, right? Mm -hmm. All of societies, all of the different societies have equal cultures. One is not better than the other. They're all held equally. And we'll kind of, we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. And that what the society says is what is correct, right? Now, there are two issues. There are two issues with that. The other, and by the way, if, if you want to use kind of academic terms for society does relativism, it's called descriptive relativism, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm correct. And society says relativism, conventionalism. That's, that's the proper terminology for those. Yeah. yeah. So there are two issues with society says relativism, right? One is that you can't judge other cultures. You can't judge other societies. Now, that's a big one. That's, that's a very, very big one. Yeah. We can look in history at plenty of societies that have done atrocious, heinous, just 
evil acts. And based off of this form of moral relativism, we have to keep silent because their society, what they believe to be right, is held equally. Yeah. Even in Nazi Germany during the Nuremberg trials, right? The excuse that these wicked people gave. And by the way, I'm kind of going to I'm going to get into it later. If you're a moral relativist, you can't say the word wicked. You can't say anything in this world is wicked <laughs> because what is evil? True. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, they said we were just doing what we were told to do by 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 society. So what we did isn't wrong. Is, is, does that give you an excuse to do all of these things? Shouldn't. It, no. One. That's one. Two is that you can't even stand up for what you believe in, in conventionalism. Because whatever society says is right, is what is right. Right. Right? So this basically means conventionalism as a whole is just counterintuitive. Like... All of these great people that stood up um, for, for things that were evil, that society or that the law was bringing down upon people. Martin Luther King, he did wrong based off of the standard of conventionalism yeah. for what he did for, for African Americans. This is so counterintuitive, mm -hmm. right? And again, this is kind of what I'm trying to do here. Even the people that, that hold these positions, right? When you really get into it, I don't, think, I don't think many of them really believe that. It's just the top layer. It's kind of going back to the, the example of the teachers teaching the, the kids. There is no right or wrong. Find out what you believe is right. It sounds great on the outside. Yeah. But when you really start digging in, it's, it's very frightening. The type, of, the type of mind that you're molding. And the type of logic that, that that you have with with all of this, yeah. So, what does that what does that leave us with, or uh, what's next? Yeah, that leaves us with the third uh, the third type of moral rel relativism is we call it I say relativism. Is there a uh, academic term for that one? An academic term for that one? I like I gotta come up with that academic term. subjectivism for. Okay, I knew that. <laughs> I'm kidding. So. I think I said it before, I was going to appeal to moral intuitions here. Yes. Right? And mm -hmm. to list them off, I would say there's about seven. There's about seven that I can probably name off the top of my head that are intuitive, right? What I mean by that, it doesn't require conscious thinking, right? You don't have to sit down, you know, and just work your way through any of the points that I'm about to say. Now, is that because they're common sense is what you're, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I really am. I really am. And a way of kind of describing how I'll, you know, break down the the intuitiveness of what I'm about to say, you know, through moral intuition, I can start with rational, like rational intuition. Yeah. Now, an example of that would be like, Mary is shorter than Bob. Bob is shorter than Bill. Okay, so what's the... What, what do we end with? Mary is shorter than Bill, right? Nice and simple, right? Nice and, nice and simple. So this is like rational intuition. Now, what I'm going to do is moral intuition. Same level of difficulty here, ladies and gentlemen. One, right? With subjectivism, 
you cannot say that anything is wrong. Now, that sounds insane, right? Maybe because you've been listening, um, you understand that, you know, all of these crazy statements are um, not, not a surprise anymore. But let me explain a little bit. If there's no objective truth, we believe there is an objective truth, right? A right and a wrong. If you believe that everyone can follow whatever they, they believe is right and there is no such thing as right or wrong, that's like playing a game with no rules, mm -hmm. right? If we play basketball, you know, we follow the same rules, right? Because we understand what we can do and what we can't do. We're all held to the same standard. In, in subjectivism, that is not the case, right? Which means what you believe is wrong doesn't mean I have to agree with you and believe it's wrong. There's, there's none of that. Yeah. Two, the problem of evil, as I said before, there's no solution or no answer. It, the problem of evil is not even consistent with moral relativism, right? And what is very funny to me is a lot of what I hear, right, to people who aren't religious is, Levi, you say you're a Christian. What about all the evil in the world? At the very least, at least evil points to the existence of God. Yeah. As ridiculous as that sounds, yeah. when I break it down, it's not going to sound ridiculous. Because let's, let's, let's do subjectivism, mm -hmm. right? Again, just like how I said what's right and wrong or what's wrong, what is evil? You've already gotten rid of objective, objective truth, what is morally right and morally wrong. That means there is no evil. Okay? Yeah. At least for me, what I'm saying is there is, there is a God. Right? Mm -hmm. Who has created this objective truth, moral truth, right and wrong. That accounts for evil. That accounts for evil. Whatever God says not to do is evil. Yeah. So it points, there is a point to a creator. And even if I didn't say that, right? Not being able to improve upon your own morality is, let's, let's, let's give an example here, right? Let's say I am a basketball player and I'm told to take 10 shots, right? And I make six out of 10 shots, okay? You can say, okay, let's, let's go for seven next time. Let's go for eight. Let's go for nine and let's improve, right? I set a standard. I set the bar six out of 10, right? Across the board. In subjectivism, right? There is no bar that's been set. Mm -hmm. What would it be like? What would it be based off of? Everyone marches to the beat of their own drum, like I said. Yeah. So you cannot improve, right? Improving means better. Improving yeah. means more good. Better is more good in a moral sense. There is no good, right? So just like how you can't get any better, you can't get any worse either. Yeah. Right? So, okay, so we, we see a lot of holes in the argument of, of, of relativism, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to ask you a question then of where do you see our culture? Let's just take Canada. Okay, where do we see Canada? It's almost like a scale of the three different types of relativisms that we talked about. Where do we see Canada right now as 
uh, what category it would fit into. Do we are we are we does Canada do relativism, say relativism, or is it the individual? Um, I definitely mix of all of them, or um, that's a good question. I think that what's going on is us as individuals. We don't. I think it's it might be the third one, because a lot of what's going on now, for example, like overturning the the, the Roe v. Wade. Right, right. What happened with Roe v. Wade? Um, I know this is this is an example in the United States, and I know you asked about Canada, but North America. Okay, thanks. Um, there was a huge uproar about that decision, right. right? And if this was society says relativism or conventionalism, you would be silent because you cannot critique what society says is right or wrong. Right. Right. But. What's going on here is the individual is saying, no, I, I refuse what I think is right, what my choice, um, it's my body, um, it's, like, I need to be able to do what I want to do, and it's all becoming about the individual. It's right. not my it's not about, yeah, yeah, it's not about what is right anymore. Yeah. It's about me, 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 me. Yeah. You know? So, okay, so when we're talking about uh, relativism, I think most people would agree that these are, this is what the, the backbone of their belief system is, but they would say that this is an extreme version of it. They always have a follow-up argument um, of saying, yes, let's be inclusive. There was a follow-up argument of, but we must have this, but we must be able to, you know, be okay with this. Um, how do we, I guess, have a discussion about, or how do we approach that that argument, right? We have to be okay with the drag shows happening in elementary schools. Mm -hmm. How do we be okay with, or how do we, how do we approach that argument? So, are you saying that? So, is this? including moral relativism or is this just so this is moral relativism but i think a lot of people in our culture bend moral relativism right right because they do have some set of moral uh right and wrong but they mix it with them pushing what they believe yes okay yeah so it's kind of like the reverse version of what i said earlier right where the other individual is saying why are you forcing your religion on me, right? Exactly. Yeah, but in, in this case, it's them or the other group forcing what they think is right on us, right? They're forcing it onto children. They're forcing it into the school system, right? They're forcing it into books, right? And parents are, parents are complaining. Parents even take their children out of the classroom and teachers say, you have no right to do that. Hmm. So if I take my kid out of a classroom that I don't think that child is learning or benefiting from, I'm wrong for that? Hmm. It's my child. Yeah. Like, it's, it's your classroom, but you don't own the students. That's right. So who are you to say? It's, it's, it's a power grab. Yeah. 
it's it's really a power grab, right? Yeah. Because I'm not able to force, in quotations, force my religion, right? They're able to force the education. It's a power grab where one takes power and the other group is is silenced, right? And so really, our culture isn't truly about relativism. They have their own moral right and wrong that's different than, um, and, and, and it may be in a, a changing objective truth, but they have their idea of right and wrong. Yeah. And uh, so that's something interesting that it's, it, it is blended, but it actually they are, it's almost like a, a religion, a, a different religion, right? Um, that's interesting, I think. Um, so how would we, uh, what are a couple other ways we can address, um, I guess, moral relativism in the terms of the way our culture views it um, even though they have their 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 right and wrong they still have the idea of moral relativism woven into their belief system um, how would we what are some ways that we can address it uh, some other ways well I think I think the first way is by by asking why right like whether it's them, whether it's their belief being explained to me, I would say, well, why would I accept it? This is obviously if if they are using the moral relativist sphere of thinking, right? Am, am I correct to assume yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. I would say if they're if they're telling me what they believe to be right, I would just question. I would say why, for what reason? Based off of your standard, I have no reason to follow what you think is right. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, yeah. It's, uh... In fact, in fact, if I'm able to to follow what I think is right, I think you're wrong. Yeah. What's the issue? Exactly. Right. You want me to believe what I believe. You want to believe what you believe. I believe you're wrong. Yeah. And based off of your own logic, that's fine. That should be fine. But there is that's not the problem. Again, it's a power issue. It becomes what you thinking what you think is right. I have to think it's right now. And not only that, even if I don't. It's okay if you don't just be quiet. Yeah, just be silent. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, like so that's exactly what this this uh, relativism. Um, what was the what was the term for the individual um, subjectivism? Yeah, that's uh, that's basically what it's become to is its own religion. It's it's self serving. It's Correct. how to benefit yourself in every single way you've replaced god with yourself exactly and i think that's what our society is definitely doing our culture is definitely doing the way we look at it as as and from the christian point of point of view is we want to be selfless instead of self-serving we want god to be um, um number one and our moral uh guideline no our moral absolute exactly yeah and this is again this is it goes right back to the name of our, of our podcast living against the grain people are deciding to take god out of everything we're trying to put god back into everything yeah. we're trying to live selflessly where we understand there is a higher power and there is a set of rules that is put even for our benefit that is even put yeah. for oh, our 100%, benefit 100 and we're just going about it that way yeah. but the selfless the selfless are are being silenced and what is going on now is the individual is being placed as god and 
How is this is slowly being done by what? No, it's not bad. There is no bad. Right. If if you think it's bad, then it's okay. It's bad. If you think it's right, then it's okay. It's right. That feeds. That feeds into the into the mind. It feeds. It's and it's very. It sounds very good. Yeah. It's, it's very pleasant to the ears Big when time. someone tells you whatever you think is right mm-hmm. is right, and whatever you think is wrong is wrong. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. It sounds wonderful. But the problem is. At the end of the day, all of us have been created by God. And these intuitions that I brought up, we have them. We have them. Yeah. And they're going to show up. And And I think what's, what's also important to discuss is that the more wrong moral relativism is, the more right objective truth is. Yeah. Because there's no alternative, right? It's either there is no truth or there is. Right? It's either there is no standard or there is a standard. There's no in-between. Right? It's just like there's, there's no maybe. That's, that's pretty much what I'm trying to say. So the more wrong one is, the more likely the other is to be correct. Right? right? So the better argument we have in denying moral relativism, the, more, uh, the better we are in accepting, the better off we are in, ex- in accepting objective truth. So if someone disagrees with us and they're moral relativists, we can just actually still be in agreement because they can't say what's right and wrong they can't actually run, they run can't back. they can't actually disagree with yeah um disagree with what we're saying oh yeah. there is a uh, objective truth you basically can't talk up you can't yeah you can't so uh so maybe if people that are listening to this and they they are moral relativists you know they they want to keep on listening to future episodes that we have because you can't they can't actually deny what we're the argument of objective truth it would be very logically consistent of them to continue watching yeah i think so but I it would so. be more logically consistent to deny their beliefs outright and understand what we're trying to say right now and like Honestly, even looking at this from this conversation from the outside in, this is a very simple foundational principle, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we even have to go in such an in-depth conversation of why there's right and wrong, I think that gives us a picture of, of A, why we're doing a podcast like this, and B, where we are at in our cultural life right? yeah so. but again it goes back to the introduction right i said it during the introduction you know a lot of these things are not going to be very difficult things right we can make it difficult right we broke it down uh kind of half and half right a little uh, the, the latter half was broken down a little bit easier but the first half you know might have been a little bit complex but that's one thing that i said that goes back to the introduction but another thing that I said that goes back to the introduction is things become unnecessarily complex when you take God out of the equation. That's right. And that's exactly what this is right here. Yeah. So before we, we wrap this up, Levi, can you give them, can you drop a little bit of hope for people, a little bit of uh, something uplifting that um, they can take away from knowing that there's right and wrong? Yeah. Um, I think what I can you know, share to you all listening is that with there being a right and wrong, I don't think everyone should be discouraged in thinking that, oh, now I can't follow 
you know, whatever it is that I want to follow anymore, right? There is a God that created you um, with, with all of his power, right? And, and with that, there are principles and rules that were laid out for our benefit, for your benefit. It's not so that um, everyone that's created is seen as a puppet. No, it's out of love, right? Just like how parents, loving parents, guide you into what is right, protect you from what is wrong. It's all about the way that you see um, these rules, right? And it's, it's in someone or it's in God knowing better, right? It's all about that selflessness. We have to, we have to understand that when we lower ourselves a little bit and really understand that, you know, with this truth that was given to us. Because if we're to conclude there is an objective truth, right? What we must understand is this truth pre-exists humanity, right? Because this truth is not physical, right? It's, it's beyond physical, which means it must have come before us, right? And what has come before us is a creator, right? This creator being God is who has provided us with this truth, right? With this right or wrong. And for those of you that um, might want to know a little bit more about why I say God is loving or how we can say God is loving goes back to the principle of ethical monotheism, which is how God is loving, God is caring, God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all of these you know beautiful and amazing qualities about God. It's always in your benefit, right? Although we might not see it, you know, when our mom or our dad tells us, you know, don't touch, don't touch the stove, you know, we might get mad, but it's for our benefit, you know, and that's the hope that I would like to share to all of those people that might now know or might think that there is a, a truth and a right and a wrong. I love it. I love it. Levi, you actually absolutely killed it today. I want you guys to go and follow all of our social media platforms. If you're listening on the Church in the City podcast platform, make sure you go and follow us on the Living Against the Grain platform. Make sure you send us your questions, send us your uh, thoughts, send us your encouragements. Make sure you give us the five-star ratings. And uh, one thing you can help uh, do to help us grow is to share it with your friends and family members and, and people that you think may be interested in, in hearing about what it is about living against the grain and, and what that looks like and, and how we, we share it. Yep. Uh, that's all we got for today. Stay tuned for the next episode that's going to drop. We're having a lot of fun. 